Hey, everybody. We're in the midst of a few months of focusing on movement skills for climbers. But honestly, I'm not happy with just putting more info out there. So we're making an effort to not only collect the dots, but to connect the dots. And the main place I'm doing that is in our monthly newsletter, The Current. Once a month in your inbox, you'll get not a sales email, but my recent light bulb moments or interrogations of how we've always done things and what we could maybe be doing better. You'll also get the dots connected for you between all of the podcast episodes, blog posts, YouTube videos, and more so that together we can learn, grow, and excel. The link is right there in your show notes. Thanks for the support. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 time, What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Nicole and Lascott. Oh, okay. Yep. Fred Nicole, Clem Lascott, classics. Yeah. Mostly known as... Amazing Boulders. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about today. I figure I'd throw you a softball. I Partly because that. I was drawing a blank yep. on duos that might stump you. Perfect. I have to do my research. But, uh... Today we're talking, this is part two of our bouldering tactics conversation. Mm -hmm. Part two, maybe part three, depending on if that first one gets split. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is really interesting to me. We're talking about bouldering tactical tools, things you might bring with you, mm -hmm. consider using uh, to improve your bouldering. And there was this big push a lot of years ago that bouldering was the most pure version of climbing. It's simple. You just go out with your shoes and chalk. And your fans and your eight different kinds of tape and your skin files and your ladders and your ropes and gear and all the things. Bouldering mm -hmm. has so many damn tools and so many damn rules. Yeah. It is far from the most pure style of climbing. But damn it, if it's not the most fun. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> and the tactics, like, you know, these tangible tactics that we're listening to today, like, I think those are a real fun part of it. Yeah. Like having this, having your toolkit all set to go. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's up to you which of these tools you want to utilize. Maybe you'll grow into the others. Maybe you'll abhor them forever. Yeah, maybe you'll just laugh at a lot of them. Yeah, totally up to you. But we're going to kind of rapid fire through some of these tactical tools and talk a little bit on each category. We've sort of lumped them into categories here. And um, I think we start with the really obvious one, the the thing you kind of all need when you go bouldering. The first tool most boulders buy are their crash pads. Mm -hmm. You know, so pads and how you're placing crash pads. But it's not as simple as it sounds on the surface you don't just go buy a crash pad and that's all you ever do yeah yeah so there's a lot that goes into this um i'm a fan of investing in good crash pads yep like just because you're falling on it i've seen a lot of sprained and broken ankles from people landing on bad crash pads or crash pads that have been so worn out that they're bottoming them out or 
crash pads that are just placed poorly when they're bouldering. So yeah, it's, it's bad that we have to say this, but placing crash pads well is very important. Like you can, some of the worst landings I ever see are you'll walk up there are 12 crash pads Mm -hmm. and somehow there are 82 seams right open and exposed yeah, i don't know how overlapped that and yeah. yeah and in, you know the way it should look if you're new to bouldering or if you're new to placing pads with intention mm-hmm. um you know you should try to create a relatively flat stable surface that mm-hmm. the climbers are going to land on anticipate the landings you know which direction are they going to go are they likely to go if they fall let's put pads there let's not leave you know a eight inch thick pad overlapping another right where someone might fall because it's a perfect place to land on the corner and roll your ankle. Yep. Um, so try to keep the seams out of it. Try to fit them all together like a puzzle. Yeah. And a good way to go with seams is you can also have what's called a slider pad. So this is generally about a one inch thick pad. Uh, organic makes a huge one called a blubber and evolve makes a small one. I might be called the ranger. I don't yeah. recall. It's a little bit smaller. I think if you're like the, if you don't want to go for the huge evolve and you just want something, I think the Ranger is a nice way to go. It's stiff, it's small. Yeah. Um, it kind of <clears throat> you can cover enough of a seam that it, if you have and we talk seams and corners. If you imagine if you put four crash pads together, that where they kind of make a crosshair, that middle hole. Yeah. That is the most dangerous spot. Yeah, it tends to open up. Yep. As soon as you land on the pads, they shift. Mm-hmm. Especially if there's a slight tilt to the landing, your pads are going to shift every time. So if you take one of these sliders, you put it over the seam, that gives you a little bit more protection. Uh, and what's really important with these two is when you do fall, your pads are still going to shift. So make sure you kind of s- squish them back together. Yeah, look under know. that slider occasionally and make sure you're not creating big gaps underneath it. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I think... You know, another really important thing is having a plan for if you need to move your pads. Oh, yes. You know, because it's it's very easy to just grab a pad and throw it under the climber wherever they're headed mm-hmm. and inadvertently leave a big gap there and not realize you, you, that you're doing it. So have a plan if you're shuffling pads. Mm-hmm. You know, have a designated person who's going to shuffle that pad along and how they're going to place it and... You know, put some thought into this stuff. This is where you're landing and you're going to wish you had thought about it if you roll your ankle. Yeah. And if you're the climber, it's your ankles. It's your responsibility to check your landing before you take off. Totally. This is something I see pretty often. People just start climbing and hope that the pads will magically go to where their boulders are supposed to or where their boulder is going to climb. Don't put that on your friends. Don't put that on your climbing partners. Yeah. Make sure everything's set. If a pad has to be slid, slid, tell people, hey, when I get this to this crimp, take that purple pad, bring it back here, you know, and then from there, I'm good. Don't worry about moving pads. Yep. It might look like I'm going to overshoot <clears throat> them, but I'll land flat down on this. Yep. You know, have these talks because this is what keeps you safe. Uh, so, yeah. Oh. And there's a couple, I was just going to, unless you have something else to say about placing those pads, I was going to say there are other ways to use the pads that we carry to the to the crag as well. Yeah. Uh, one more thing on placement. If you are on a hill or if there's a big mm. hole in the, like in the landing, you can stack pads. So you yep. might use a switch. pad to fill the hole or level out the landing. Exactly. Folded up pad oftentimes. Yep. So folded up pad, maybe a little briefcase, things like that. Like 
briefcase pads I use more than anything. Um, I don't hike them out personally, but and when someone else is around, they're really great for leveling out landings yep. so that all your pads aren't kind of going down a slope. You can kind of build the landing up to be flat totally. by stuffing some underneath the top layer. Yep, that's a really good one. Yeah, and talking about stacking pads, that's another, you know, that's kind of where I was headed before. It's a great way to do all sorts of things, check out higher holds mm-hmm. to, you know, brush. But it's also, if it's a sit start and you're a smaller person and you need to sit up a little higher or stand start and you need to stand a little higher, you know, stack an extra pad at the start. That's a slippery slope. There are yes. boulders where it can make the move way easier if that's the crux move. So you have to be cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. But but don't discount the idea that maybe sliding another pad under you will set you up better to start the boulder. Yeah. And because of erosion, which is a real thing, um, especially yeah. because of climbers, a lot of times landings get lower. So there are climbs that I've done a decade ago that yep. now... Like I used to be able to pull straight off the ground and reach the start holds. Now I have to stack crash pads just to reach the start holds because they're popular. People have gone there. Erosion happened. Yep, totally. Um, Another thing, so you were saying stack pads, if you're a taller climber or if a boulder starts really low, Mm -hmm. you can also use a slider. Super thin pad, yep. And that's like those super thin pads are great for dabby sections. So if you're climbing, you know, when a rock rises up and it's easy to dab or if there's a hard swing, instead of having a full pad, you can have a slider. Yep, totally. There's also a use for those smaller pads. I especially like those Evolve Rangers, if that's what they're called. I'm not positive. Call them that for now. um, I especially like those small, thin pads to use as shade pads. Yes. If the holds are getting direct sun on them and you want to keep them shaded, finagling away, whether it's balancing it on a stick or carrying hooks or trad gear with you or something that Mm -hmm. you can use to set that pad up or just have someone hold it in place while you're climbing to block the sun on a hold or block the sun in your face. That's a big one. Yeah. Whatever. Hold up that pad to create shade for the climber. Mm-hmm. Um, super valuable thing to have in your arsenal. Yeah. And you talked about using trad gear. Uh, people laugh at me for this, but I hike a rack of stoppers and a small like aid hook with me every time I go climbing. Cause I'll use that either for you know, like shade pads, but also if I'm climbing on something that has a really steep landing, then I'll have those in a long ratchet strap and I'll fix my pads in place using the stopper so that when I land on that pad, it doesn't go sliding down this steep hill, especially if it's rock and it's slippery. Like this is, I do this a lot in Waco. Um, so I'll fix my pads in place, attach them together so that it's, you know, I don't have to take two falls, one hitting the pad and the second one where the pad slides down into you know, a giant abyss. Yep, totally. And I use a strap to, you know, a ratchet strap to to keep all my pads together while I'm hiking. You know, mm-hmm. I strap a bunch of pads all together so that I can wear one giant backpack. Yes. And and that strap comes in really handy on landings where the pad might slide away. Yeah. You know, and if you've got a few stoppers and a hook, even better. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just said you hike a lot of pads in. So this is something I think is really valuable. Man, lots of pads. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to overemphasize how important it is to have a lot of crash pads. Man, big boulders, if you have good landings, 
suddenly you can try so much harder. Right. Exactly. Like, <clears throat> you know, fear of hitting the ground's a real thing. Like, and if, you know, if you only have two crash pads below you and you're like, oh, I hope I hit that one. Like, that's not fun. Like, we were just joking the other day about how, you know, sometimes when you're doing tall boulders, you'll just slide a crash pad like a half inch one direction. You're like, Makes oh, you feel so much better. Yeah. Okay. I hope that works. You know, yeah. you fall, maybe you're like, okay, I'll slide it a half inch back now. Man, it's so much nicer if you can just have four pads, like spread them out and feel safe. Like totally. you're going to try harder. You're going to do better. Totally. All right. Move on to our next one. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of pads. Okay. <laughs> um, brushes. Yep. A, you should always be fucking brushing. Yep. You know, I, I have a like theory, not a theory. I don't have a theory. I would like to know what actually happens when we constantly brush, mm-hmm. you know, on different rock types and after people grab it and their skin oils are there. And I would love to know how that actually affects the rock. We think that it makes it better. And I think it probably does, but I would love to know for sure. Anyway, that's a side yes. tangent. Brushes have several sizes with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I carry like a big round sort of a brush that almost like a shoe polish brush yeah. with with boar's hair on it that I use for slopers, you know, mm-hmm. big, big holds. I can brush a lot of surface area. And then I'll also carry some smaller, tiny brushes to get into little slots or little crimps or little pockets or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thankfully plastic brushes don't really exist anymore. That was, there was definitely a time where nylon brushes were really popular. Yeah. And they do work pretty well. Like those M16 brushes that are actually used for cleaning guns. That's why they're called M16 brushes. Mm -hmm. Um, they work okay on tiny limestone pockets at like at wild iris. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would never carry one bouldering. Yeah. Never use them on sandstone. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point. You have to be really conscious of the type of bristle and the type of rock because sandstone's softer. You can, if you've got a really hard bristle, you can dig a new hold into the rock. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a thing that happens. So you know, you got horse hair, boar's hair. You're really trying to level up your game. You got badger hair, um, <laughs> but so yeah, use a natural hairbrush. Um, different sizes, what Chris said, stick brushes, super yep. useful. Um, those are really nice. That's something that I honestly don't use nearly enough, but every time I'm around someone who has one, I'm like, oh, this is, this is what I need to be doing. Yeah. I carry a small extendable one with me that maybe only adds, you know, four feet, five feet to my reach. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's incredibly helpful for the size boulders I want to be climbing on. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw someone who had a, mm. they got a replacement tent pole, like kind of a beefier yep. tent pole, but yep. just had, I think maybe like four or five little extensions. So it snapped together, it collapsed, snapped together uh, to open. And it was a little bit more robust than, you know, the little Alpine tents, but that worked great. They just taped a little boar's hairbrush on the end and that was nice. I think it extended to probably seven feet or something like that. Yeah. So that's a really nice, uh, that's a nice way to have something that's not this huge extendable pole that you keep with you. Yeah. The one I keep is the leg of a small aluminum tripod that yeah. broke in Waco. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd have kept the other two legs actually so that I have <laughs> three of these brushes I keep in the gym, you know, and 
Annalisa can have one, I can have one. But I kept one leg, and I think it's a really great small stick brush. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brushes. And I think I'll say this about brushes: keep you know keep it in your in your like chalk bucket. Keep one on your your chalk bag that you know you might wear around your waist. To what? Who was calling that a? I think it was Marina calling it a sport sport climber purse or something sport like purse. that. Sport climber purse. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and you know if you're carrying one of those, have brushes in each of them because. If you don't, if you have one brush, you're transferring from thing to thing to thing. You're going to end up in a situation where you wish you had a brush and you left it in your other chalk bag. Yeah. So. Yeah. And brushing helps tremendously. It's a good way to break up rest times too. You know, mm-hmm. stop, take off your shoes, brush, rest. And to be a good support crew. Yeah, totally. Like if you're climbing with a bunch of people and if, if, if everyone else is brushing between goes, or even worse, if no one is brushing between goes, you you should be brushing between goes. Yeah. Like I also think it's worth, if you're like the the local and this is your home area and you want to be the steward, it's worth taking water out and cleaning up some boulders now and then, mm-hmm. you know, brushing off the, brushing off the holds with some water and get some of the caked in chalk and grime and oil out of there. Yeah. And once again, depending on the rock, if it's soft sandstone, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. But, you know, if you're granite mm-hmm. or limestone, or if you're bouldering on limestone, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> you know, thank you for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Abstain from these activities. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, oh, one last thing. Yep. Brush thumbprints, like where mm. your or thumb catches. Yeah. For some reason, people don't do this. Yep. They'll brush where their fingers go, but never the thumbs. Yep. Totally. Brush where your thumbs go. Yeah. And if it's a long boulder, brush the rests. Oh, yeah. People, forget, people always forget People that forget one. the big holds. They don't, they don't brush start holds. Yeah. Come on, man. Like the biggest holds that collect the most chalk, for some reason, never get brushed. Yeah. Brush the chalk. That should be the way it goes. Yeah. Just brush all the chalk. Uh, and footholds. Brush some footholds. Yep. All right. Moving on. Uh electrical technology yes <laughs> this is this is a relatively newer thing in the bouldering world mm-hmm. i think and it's growing um but things like lights that's where my first electrical technology came in you yep. know if you're going to be bouldering at night when the conditions are better in dark little caves you can get some led lights that are pretty nice um and light and you can no pun intended yeah. and you can carry those around with you to make make things easier you can spot the holds faster you can you know just better yeah and this allows you to climb in better conditions have longer sessions depending on what your schedule is you know maybe if you work nine to five and it's the winter sun goes down at around six this allows you to climb for longer um so lights good head like a good headlamp helps yeah and Um, i found that like if you have a good led light one thing you have to take into account is how the shadows are cast as you're climbing and a headlamp on low while you're climbing can offset those shadows quite a bit especially for the holds you're going to if like your shadows cast across the hold when you move to it Mm -hmm. if you're looking at the hold which you should be then your headlamp on low will sort of delete that shadow and light that space up oh cool yeah i just uh i just bring like six led huge lamps Put them all around. There are no shadows. (laughs) 
Like <laughs> you can't even see footholds because there's no perception anymore. There's no depth. <laughs> Just <clears throat> yeah. So lights. What else we got? Uh, we got fans. Mm, that's is, a that's a new one. This is new technology. Shop fans. So they work off drill batteries. I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, I swear by mine. I bring mine to the gym now. Cause, uh, <laughs> that's so funny to me. <laughs> oh man. And people get a laugh at it. Most of them are like, what is that? I'm like, it's a shop fan. My skin's great right now. Yeah. Um, but you know, I live in Houston. It's hot. It's humid. Yeah, totally. Um, and so for me, it's great. Like it keep, so the reason you want a fan is air movement's very important. A lot of people don't realize this, but if they don't live somewhere windy, but air movement can offset bad conditions in a very serious way. Mm -hmm. uh, helps dry your skin, keeps the holds feeling better. And this helps you sort of supplement that a little bit. So I'll go out, dry my hands before every single go on a boulder once I'm like at that project level for the day. And it's huge. Like my skin, because it's dry, it's gonna stay tougher. It's not going to split open. It's not gonna cut and slough off as fast. Yeah. So and I'm you're not get, greasing up the boulder. You're not greasing up the boulder. I'm gonna get more high quality goes. Uh, it's a one-time investment. They're a little expensive, but you know, if you climb outside often enough, it's the other reason I bring it to the gym too, is because I'm like, well, I'm already paid for it. It's a rechargeable battery. Like the only thing stopping me from bringing it in is my ego. So I'm just going to bring it in. Um, yep. And I think uh, Tom O'Halloran from Baffle Days, along, which is an Australian climbing podcast, um, along with his daughter, Audrey, just recently did a, a fan review what? of a bunch of bouldering fans. And cool. it's, the, it's the best little review ever. So sick. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, also heaters. You know, if it's yeah. really cold bring a heater and frankly i if i'm bouldering i use the heater less for my hands to warm up my hands and feet more to warm up my feet and my shoes i do the same um i think it's it's very overlooked that you want shoes that are at a you know a little bit of a malleable temperature mm -hmm. they're going to feel better on your feet they're going to be more sensitive they're going to conform to the holds a little better yeah um so warm up your shoes yeah, too cold and it gets stiff and slippery. Uh, yeah, that's a really good one. I will say this. I don't own one. I want one. If you're listening, Black Diamond, send me one. The heated chalk bag. Heated chalk bag. Man, <laughs> yeah. I was out climbing with a buddy who had one, and it was cold. It was windy. I was miserable. I was really impressed. Like, I I personally don't like to sport climb when it's that cold, and this is more yeah. of a sport climbing tactic. Yep. But... I was very impressed Could with it. work on long boulders too. High balls when it's really cold and you don't want to numb out up there. Yeah. Give yourself some peace of mind. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. Uh, you know, no sponsorship on that one. Just simply a fan of the uh, electric chalk bag. Yeah, totally. Uh, any other electric technology you use while bouldering? Um, ooh, not that I can think of. I know some people use like little... Um, I can't think of what they're called. The little gauges that are used in humidors. Oh, yeah. That tell you the humidity, the temperature. Oh, I totally forgot about that. All yeah. of that. Um, and you also have some little laser that tells you the temperature of Rock. the holds. Yes, right? I do. I have a little laser gun. It tells me how warm any object <laughs> is that I shoot. It's pretty good. Uh, I've used that more as a learning tool. Yeah. Like to see how fast walls cool down 
versus like when they're in the sun and when they get out. Yeah. And it actually, I mean, while we're on the topic, one thing that really surprised me is rock itself doesn't cool down that fast. But if the ambient temperature around cools down, mm-hmm. it ends up offsetting it a lot more than I would have ever thought. Yeah. Like I definitely thought rock temperature made a much bigger difference, but it turns out just the air temperature and air movement, the amount of wind around mm-hmm. you really makes a massive difference. And mm-hmm. this was all, this was done in Waco two years ago. I had notes and things. Um, notes and things. But yeah, uh, I was kind of surprised by that. So, yeah. But I have a little laser gun that tells me the temperature. Yeah, and I, I'm fairly late to the technology game, so mm-hmm. this is an area I haven't implemented a ton. I also recently saw little personal air conditioners that yeah. are battery-operated. Yeah, we were talking about this via text, and now I get advertisements on Instagram every day for them. <laughs> so those those might come in handy in the future, though they do add some humidity. And if you're like me and your hands get too dry in the winter or in the just climbing in the West in general, mm-hmm. my hands get pretty dry. Might be okay to add a little humidity into the situation along with some cool blowing air. Yeah, I'm calling it right now, the future of rock climbing. People are going to build tents around boulders. <laughs> Completely. I, it has probably happened. Hermetically seal them. <laughs> and they're going to bring no in. No COVID allowed. No COVID allowed. And they're going to bring in portable ACs. Yep. And, uh, it could happen. Climate control it. It's going to happen. And dehumidify it. it they're going to have a dehumidifier as well. Yes. <laughs> they're going to have a swamp cooler and a dehumidifier. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the science on that one, but. All right. Moving on with more tools. Okay. Um, working tools. So if you're working on a boulder problem, what tools can help you in working it? Um, one of the early ones, ropes and gear. If you want to. Yep. Wrap down, brush holds, identify holds, tick holds, um, you know, work it on top rope. Mm-hmm. Bring a short rope, bring a little rack, whatever it is you need to set up that top rope. Yeah. I think that's, and you know, if you want to, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can solo top rope boulders to work them out. So whether it's a mini traction or, a Grigri or, you know, an Ascender set up somehow, figure out your system to work on the boulder. Yeah. And that can be a good way too if you don't have a ton of crash pads and you want to try something tall. Um, that can be a nice way to go test something out or just, you know, if you're going to go say, hey, is this project worth my time? Yep. It's really tall. I'm going to go check that out. Maybe you, maybe you find out, oh, that's a little scarier than I want to do. Or it's, well, I think I can dial this in enough. Totally. Um, good tool, for sure. And then there are also other ways to work on the tops of boulders. This is something I have not used myself, but I've definitely considered getting a little collapsible ladder. Yeah. That you can just stuff in your crash pad and carry out to the boulders with you. It sounds silly, but man, it's a good one. Uh, Justin Silas, who is on the podcast, he... Um, only has peripheral vision. He doesn't have vision directly in front of him. And he said, like he was saying, telling us uh, his ladder is like his best tool. He's mm-hmm. like, no question. I get up, I feel all the holds, I can feel positions. You know, and I was listening. I was when we were, I think we were just like sitting eating lunch one day uh, at CWA. And I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like I'm not blind, but I think I could do that too. It'd be really nice to know exactly where I'm hitting holds. Yeah, totally. Um, the little collapsible ladders are 
getting pretty nice too. And you see them more and more often in the videos of the hardest boulders out there. Yeah. You know, you'll see a little collapsible ladder in the background that yep. they've used to work it out. Chalk holds, brush holds, whatever. Yeah. It would pull <clears throat> on from a high start too. Exactly. Like if it's long enough, you can pull on from 10 feet, have your friend pull the ladder out of the way. Yep. Boom. No yep. more punting. Yeah, you can also, you know, if you're not carrying a ladder, we've already mentioned this a little bit, but it's worth mentioning here, stacking pads to pull on higher on a boulder mm -hmm. and then having your spotter move the pads out of the way so that you're not landing on a stack of pads. Yeah. Um, but that's a really helpful tool to skip some of the moves you already know you can do, save the energy, save the skin, work out the higher moves. Mm -hmm. And, um... Other tools, these should go without saying, but like tick marks, consider using tick marks. There needs to be a universal way. I think we've talked about this pointer before. Pointer fingers. Tick the pointer finger. Oh. Um, if you're going to use goalposts, fine. Tick where the pointer and the pinky goes. Rookie stripes. But let's let's stop ticking the middle of the hold. Yeah. You know, because you don't know exactly where to hit it in that case. So mm -hmm. let's all tick the pointer finger. That's, yeah. Let's do that. And ticks don't need to be big. Like the way I tick, especially when I'm on sport climbing. At least I'll, no bigger than three feet. No bigger than three feet. We need standards. Uh, that's, <laughs> I think that's roughly a meter <laughs> yeah. for everyone else in the world. Yeah. We're really trying to help you guys out here and do some conversions on the show. Um, whenever I'm ticking, I'll just chalk my thumb and put a little dot next to a hold. Like it's great for, like if you're doing that for footholds, um, for handholds, sometimes if it's over a bulge, it needs to be a little longer, but you really don't need huge tick marks. Yeah. Um, and brush them when you're done. Yeah, brush them when you're done. Get rid of them. Um, also, power spots. Huge. This is, I think, one of the least utilized tools. Like, bang for your buck, It's power spots are so helpful, and I just don't think they're used enough. Yeah, whether it's just pushing you into position so that you can start in one of those like pre-tensioned positions that it's hard to set up in unless you do the setup moves you know power spot might help you start in that position it can help you learn the path of movement between holds for a move that you can't do just yet you know take a little bit of weight off mm -hmm. little power spot you know whether it's lower back or by your shoulder blades something like that holding you and helping you through the move super useful tool that I don't see getting used enough. It can help you with like committing moves. Yep. Like if you're, if it's something like you're on a roof, you set a heel hook and you have to throw way behind your head. Yep. I'll see people all the time. And this was me for sure. Uh, like on a boulder in Waco where I would try this move and I would hesitate every time until finally I had a friend. I was like, Hey, just take, I don't know, 50 pounds off of me. Yep. Like, and I went back and reached and I was like, okay, I was like, okay, now take like five pounds off of me. Did the same thing. And then actually what I did next was I stacked like three pads below me. Mm -hmm. And so, so I intentionally just- A little bit. Yeah, and I intentionally just whiffed it. I was like, I'm gonna take the back, back splat, took it, and I was like, oh, okay. Took the pads, never missed the move again. Yeah. Because I just knew I could go confidently. Yep. In, I had a similar situation on a V11 I did last spring. That The first move was scary to me because I didn't want to- fall with that heel in that wasn't going to come out yeah it was an insecure hold i was going to and i had to get a power spot the first few tries just so i knew the position knew where i was going knew i would get there and then i just never missed the move yeah you know in our first um 
first part of this series in part one, I talked about Western gold and tactics of going out there and power spotting, I think was the reason I was able to do that boulder in a session. Mm. I was out with a buddy and you pretty much pull on from head height. That's around where the start hold is. And there are a lot of slopers that are just really unique. Like they have these kind of subtle dimples and waves through them. And every time I would climb, I'd hit them differently. So I, at a certain point I was like, Hey, like I was climbing with buddy Drexel. I was like, can you just boost me up? I'm going to take time and like find where every yeah. single subtlety is. Totally. And you know, he boosted me for maybe 20, 30 seconds. Like, and I mean, I was still like holding some of my weight. Um, but yeah, I found all the subtleties. Suddenly I was linking through falling on like the last move. Yep. Like, and that was for me massive. Like, I don't know if I would have found those subtleties and been able to really pick out what was what nearly as quickly. It might've taken me another hour and mm -hmm. I probably would have been too tired to send the boulder. Yep. For sure. Underutilized. Mm -hmm. Use it. Um, moving on video, I guess this is an electrical technology we I could was, have talked about. I was thinking that, but it, it's on its own kind of. Yeah. And video can be used a lot of different ways, you know, first collecting beta for whatever the project is, if Huge. you want to do that. We talked about this a little bit in the, the first part of this, but you know, get the beta screen, record it to your phone so that you have the beta you can then compare right there at the boulder mm -hmm. if you want to not everybody wants to yeah yeah one thing uh i show this to a bunch of people like you can like on if you have an iphone you have the swipe up toolbar yeah and you can go into your general settings and make screen recording on that yeah so that if you see good beta on instagram facebook whatever i don't know who's posting beta on facebook anymore yeah. but instagram i don't it's know maybe good beta maybe there will be beta on tiktok someday <laughs> um, who knows either way, instead of having to save the post or like try and memorize from the story, just swipe up, hit the screen record yep. and then let it play through. Amazing. Yep. I use it all the time. And then of course, videoing yourself, you know, video your attempts. Yep. It's great to say, you know, oh, I was this close to that hold that I can, I really can't spot while I'm doing the move, mm -hmm. you know, learn those types of things. Be able to see what's happening when you're doing a movement. And it, it often looks different than you think it does. Oh, yeah. You'll be like, what the fuck is my leg doing? Like, what is that? Like, why is it kicking out? Yeah. So videoing yourself, reviewing that while you're climbing can really speed up the process in a big way. Yep. And I'll also say, if you're someone who's utilizing video often while you're at the boulders, bring a little rechargeable battery with you. Yes. Important to have. Yeah. And this is one of those things, easy when like kind of the only reason not to do it is like ego. Like, yep. you know, it, it's weird. Like videoing yourself. Like I think videoing yourself in the gym is a great way to go too. Um, I mean, it's the same thing. Like you're trying to move better, learn, like this is a great way to accelerate that. So bring a truck, like little tripod. We even have our little like mini stands. Yeah. And those um, will be in a, a kit that we have coming out that mm -hmm. hopefully will be available when this is airing and, you know, takes the, finagling of setting the phone up in your shoe to get it right, especially if you want the horizontal shot, which let's be honest, landscape is the way to go. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for that, these little stands really help make it an easy situation. Mm -hmm. uh, one more thing on video, shoot from different angles. Yeah. Everyone always shoots from directly behind. And everyone gets the same shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess if we're also just posting and sharing, it's kind yeah. of fun to have different angles to be yeah. creative. I want all the angles when I'm trying to gather beta. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, 
but shoot different angles just for your own assessment. Like shoot from directly to your side. Like if you want to see how far your body is away from the wall or how close it is, all these different things, like you might think, oh, that moves really, really far for me. But if you suddenly see from the side that your body's bowing really far from the wall, whenever you're doing it, it's like, oh, well, if I stay tucked in a little more, Mm -hmm. then maybe I can get to it. Or maybe a swing seems really wild to you. You know, you're like, oh, I hit this hole, but I just swing off like crazy. When you shoot from the side, you might realize, oh, I'm staying so tucked in that when I hit that hold, my body has so much room to swing. If I can start further out and come just vertically to the hold, I won't have anywhere to swing. Yep. So shoot different angles. Yep. Use the videos, learn the things. Yes. Uh, Take a break, come back, wrap it up. Take a break. All right. What's up, everybody? Chris here. I wanted to tell you about our two newest products designed to make you more efficient, more organized, and reduce your excuses. The first two major components of our essential elements line, the Crag Kit and the Boulder Bag. The Crag Kit's a collection of items that are a must-have for every climber. We filled it with a special skin file designed just for climbers, nail clippers and detail skin clippers that actually clip, as well as our circuit tape and necessary products from Tension and Rhino Skin. All in a water-resistant case, we've partnered with Soil to design with a built-in zippered mesh pocket and a removable mesh pouch. I won't even go climbing without mine. We designed the Boulder Bag, also in collaboration with Soil, to solve the problems created by shoving backpacks into your crash pad or strapping them to the outside. It's a messenger-style bag that unfolds like a saddlebag to lay flat in your crash pad. No more bumps, no more soft spots in your foam. We made it roomy enough for everything you need, but simple enough that you won't be tempted to take too much shit. Plus, it just looks sexy when you're going to the gym. Game changer. You can find these at powercompanyclimbing.com slash essential dash elements or click on the link in your show notes in your pocket supercomputer. All right, back to the show. All right, we are back with a, a bouldering tactical tool that is near and dear to your heart, which yes. is shoes and all things sticky rubber. Yes. Shoes, knee pads, hand jammies. Hand jammies. Come on, keep that shit out of your bag. All rubber tactics. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, shoes. This, you know, this is something I think can easily be overdone, but... A little bit can go a long way. You think shoes can be overdone? I'm trying to put on a good face here. That surprises the hell out of me that that would even come out of your mouth. I don't actually believe that. (laughs) Um, So generally speaking with shoes, I think it's good to have just your normal daily workhorse, like something that's comfortable that you can do most things in. Um, But no shoe is perfect. Like I've always laughed at shoe reviews that are like, oh, this is great for smearing and toe hooking and heel hooking and edges and steep yeah, climbs and slabs. It's like, no, <clears throat> it's not. Like, there's no such thing. And any good shoemaker will tell you that. Any Anyone with any shoe brand will tell you, no, there's not a shoe that is great for edging and smearing. Like, Right. There are all-around performing shoes. Yeah. But none that really excel in every category at once. Totally. Yeah. And so I think having a workhorse that is good in most things, maybe it lends itself to your particular style. Like if you're really heel hook dominant, maybe your shoe isn't the best, isn't the best at towing in, but it's really good for heels. Yeah. And same thing. Like if you're really just like good at towing in and you like towing in, 
like sideways, like koala feet, like Chris likes to say, mm -hmm. then maybe you have a shoe that's more asymmetrical and toe dominant, yeah, like big toe dominant. So you find a good, and hopefully it's kind of a robust shoe too. So, you know, it lasts you a while. So that's going to be your daily workhorse. And then from there, you kind of expand out. So you want to make sure you have something that can heel hook well, that can toe hook well, if these are things you need to do. Uh, maybe a softer shoe and then like a stiffer shoe, like mm -hmm. something for when you are going to climb hard technical boulders or just stand on tiny little edges that you can pop this on. So rather than saying, oh, I need a shoe that can do everything, yep. you know, you have your one shoe that does most things like 90% 90, 90 of things well. Yep. <clears throat> and then, you know, like I used to have a lace, a really stiff lace-up shoe. I maybe pulled it out 10 times a year max. Yep. Yep. I mean, that shoe lasted me like four years because of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it can seem weird to have a lot of shoes, but, uh, you know, three, four pairs total. Like I think that can really well round make you will really well rounded for all different situations yeah in reality nate carries one of those like over your closet door shoe caddies yes. that that holds 42 pairs of shoes nate carries that when he goes bouldering facts yeah shoe for every situation um how often have you worn two different shoes for a boulder oh i mean how often have i gone bouldering <laughs> Like, <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't done it a ton. Um, but as I've gotten into harder boulders, I've, I've gone that direction more and more mm -hmm. because I'm finding that, you know, for instance, um, when I did the giving tree, I had found beta that I could use that you kind of throw this ninja kick into a toe hook that made it made the finish far more um what's the word i'm looking for consistent for mm -hmm. me uh, i could do it way better than i could do the heel hook version um and i had recently started using the evolve phantoms yep and i really liked the heel on them it was it's a more sensitive heel for the first move of the boulder, I could do that move more consistent with that heel. Mm -hmm. But then the finish, I needed a toe hook and I don't toe hook in the phantoms as well as I do in the aggros. Yeah. So it, I had this like mental battle of, I really want the heel for the first move, but I really want the toe for the finish move. Yeah. So I just had to decide where do I want to compromise? Mm -hmm. And I ended up wearing an aggro on my right foot, a phantom on my left so that I still had the toe I like on the Phantom and the the toe hook that I like for the aggro. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to make those decisions when you're when you're getting into harder and harder boulders for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, and it can seem silly, like, and it can feel like making an excuse of like, oh, I can't do this because of my shoe. Um, but I mean, it's it's true. Like there are some shoes that are just really really good at heel hooking yep and not much else and like yeah like that's fine like there there are boulders that if you can just heel hook really well you can do the whole boulder yep like totally everything else doesn't really matter yep. um and the other sticky rubber piece of technology that we have has ooh. has recently been i mean the the game has been changed by send climbing frankly yeah. um knee pads have been around a long time but Send really stepped up the knee pad 
And yeah. as far as I know, it's the gold standard now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's it's joking that those knee pads have downgraded a lot of boulders, but it's not really joking. I mean, it a lot of moves can be made a lot easier with these send pads. And uh, recently... I sat down and talked with Eric Jerome and Max Solotukin, and you may have heard that episode already by the time you're hearing this one. Um, Max mentions his current project needs three knee pads, and I was like, "Uh, you only have two knees. <laughs> yeah. Explain to me how that works, you know." And he's stacking knee pads to get a all, bigger shindex, and, all three on one leg. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, why not? Yeah, I mean they're. There are no rules. Like, uh, yeah, and knee pads, I think, are a good way to go. Like, it's, I really like the send, like the ones that you can kind of strap on over your blue jeans versus like a slide-on pad. Slide-ons can be nice for, like, for sport climbing, but you end up having to, like, kind of duct tape them. But with bouldering, being able to just pop it on and off really quick is nice because you can say, oh, that looks maybe like a knee bar. I'll give it a try. You just throw it on try it and if it works cool if not you just take it off it's not this huge process of trying to slide a little neoprene Mm. sleeve yeah over your pants or onto your leg yeah can we also can we talk about the the elephant in the room here the the misnomer because they're not actually knee pads oh yeah i see a lot of people who think that knee bars actually involve your knee yeah, like they think it's supposed to be on the very end of your leg, like on the top of your patella, sort of. Yeah. Well, it's actually a thigh pad. Yes. You know, and and don't get trapped into wearing it one specific way. You know, I, I, did, a, I did a boulder this spring that I wore it 100% on the inside of my thigh. Yeah. And used it just to clamp down, you know, like some thigh master shit on, yeah. on this boulder. And... That allowed me to do a move that I found really, really hard before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, don't be trapped into the one way, but send climbing if you're listening. I think we should take the initiative to call these things thigh pads. Thigh pads. <laughs> Let's just go a step further. They're the thigh masters. Thigh masters, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. knee pads. Man, they're, they've changed the game, um, whether mm-hmm. you like it or not. Yeah, and and I'll say this as well about the sticky rubber components here. Clean your rubber. Oh, how did it, yes. like don't yeah don't just walk through the dirt and then step on. It's not only going to decrease your performance; it's also going to get dirt all over the footholds. Yeah. Um, and shout out to Tension Climbing because they've they recently released a shoe spray. Our uh, our crag kits that we've mentioned have a tension shoe spray sample in them. Um, so give that stuff a try. I'm a skeptic of all things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there, I can are vouch no, for this. there are no better things made. And you were with me on the giving tree one day. I couldn't get the heel to stick. Yeah. I was like, I guess I'll try this tension shoe spray mm-hmm. that doesn't actually work. Yeah. And I sprayed my heel. I followed Will's instructions, cleaned it off. Heel stuck first try. Yeah. And like, every try it. after. Now I believe, you know. So I keep a little bottle of it with me. Yeah. Clean the rubber off. Um, what did they say it does? It 
I almost said delaminates, but that's not what it does. Uh, um, <laughs> I have a word in my head, but it's got to be wrong, so I don't know. Um, it de-somethings the rubber. Yeah, it deoxidizes. Mm, let's go with that. Oh god, I don't think that's the word. But yeah, let's it's go definitely with that. definitely wrong. But it makes it feel like new. That sticky yeah. feeling that your your rubber has when it's new, it's fresh out of the box, feels just like that. Yeah. But as an absolute minimum, wipe off your shoes. Yeah, totally. Um, I can't say this enough, like clean your shoes well. Like that is, you can put so much more weight through your feet than through your hands. And people are so diligent about how they want to take care of their hands and their skin. <laughs> yeah. They want to train their fingers to be really strong. Yeah. And then they just go fucking sauntering through the mud up to their boulder. Yeah. Uh, so. I will tackle a motherfucker if you walk up to the boulder I'm trying through the mud. Yeah. You're, um, you're not so yeah. getting on. Wipe off your shoes. All right. Speaking of taking care of your skin, that is our next category, skin tools. This includes all the files, clippers, all the things you would use for your skin. What do mm-hmm. you carry? Um, I I carry a file. I carry a, a clipper as well, kind of like a straight edge one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use both of those. And... I mean, I guess my fan is kind of for my skin as well. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, as far as like what I carry out, that's the bulk of it for me. Um, And so, Chris, why would I need fingernail clippers or a file for my skin? Well, I mean, A, you'd need fingernail clippers for your nails first off. So I carry two kinds of clippers. And our our crag kit actually has two, the same two clippers I carry, which is one for my nails, one for my skin. And it's a straight edge clipper that allows you to clip off little pieces of skin that have torn away or, you know, little burrs on your skin so that it doesn't catch on a hold and tear even more. And, yes. you know, you want to try to keep that smooth surface area on your skin for better contact with the holds so that your skin doesn't continue tearing mm-hmm. um, and just kind of get a new layer of skin on things. Um, so... I carry the two types of clippers and I carry a file, which we feel like we have the best shaped file ever in the game created. And, you know, to be totally fair, there was a company called um, Burned by Wood, I think was the name of it. Sounds right. And he had sent me a few skin files. You've seen them in videos with Adam Ondra. He's always filing his skin away with these things. And, and when I reached back out to that company, he had decided not to continue. Um, so I reached out to him last year and said, hey, can I take your shape of this skin file and and try to recreate it? And he was like, yeah, go for it. You know. So we've modeled ours after that shape and, and put kind of a heavy grit that I think is, is best. We also have a, a medium grit, but the grit that I really like feels a little too gritty at first, but then I end up going to it every single time. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have that skin file also in our crag kits. Um, and they're really cool looking too. They are cool looking and it has, you know, it's got a rounded edge that you can fit into the creases in your skin better. It's also got a sharper edge if you really need to get in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's got big broad areas, um, that are a little rounded instead of instead of just a flat file, which I don't find as useful. Yeah, same. 
Um, so a few more things on files, just real quick. So if you have like a split in your seam mm-hmm. or a split anywhere, it's really important that you file those down. Or if you, mm. if you want your skin to heal faster, you don't want like kind of dead skin hanging around. Yeah. Like and you don't want a really sharp edge. Yes, exactly. Like a sharp edge, like a split, um, or even like big thick calluses when they get too hard. Yep. Those can all catch and rip. And they're like, uh, those splits aren't going to heal very fast unless you can kind of smooth them out, get all the dead skin off the sides um, that's really dried up. Yep. Get that away. And so I use this also at the end of a bouldering session. I'll kind of go over my skin if I have some like little bit of damage, smooth it all out, make it even so that when it heals, it heals as an even layer again. Yep. Totally. <clears throat> yeah. And I think, you know, some, some, Things that other people carry, like I see a lot of people carrying Dremel tools with a little sander on the end. And those can be really effective. They seem like, oh, I'm doing a lot less work. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, personally, I'm not a fan of the heat that's generated. I was about to say, I've gotten burnt like the When they're moving that fast. Yeah. Not a a big fan of that on my skin when I'm trying to keep my skin cool. I don't want to heat it up a ton. So when I use a file, I use it pretty slowly Hmm. uh, instead of filing super fast and aggressive yeah um also sprays for your skin um some people use rhino dry Mm -hmm. during sessions i get too dry so this past season i used water i would just spray water on my hands yeah um get some moisture in there then chalk up and climb and i found i could hold big slippery pinches much better if my hands had a little moisture than being too dry yeah, there's a certain level of moisture that you need. Um, and if you're in a dry environment or if you use something like Rhino Skin or Antihydral that dries your skin out, if you went too far, you might actually have to have to moisten your skin back up because yep. otherwise everything's going to feel really slippery, like light bulbs. Like people who dry fire a lot, most often they have just very dry skin. Yep, um, totally. So yeah, those are really mm-hmm. big. Another one is uh, liquid shock. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. If, if you're doing a really long boulder or if you're going to, like, honestly, I like using it to start my day. Um, so before I start warming up, I'll put some on. And it feels like it just kind of gets me a starting coat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, liquid shock or what is it? Like strong grip, tight grip. Mm, never uh, used it. Chris, yeah, Chris Lindner was sponsored by it because i remember all, all these like goofy ads and uh climbing magazines but it's like a hand antiperspirant hmm. and it's not chalk based at all um but you put it on let it dry for a little bit and then you can chalk over it and i've found that works i prefer it for sport climbing hmm. because with bouldering i feel like your contact points are so small like in your fingertips yeah that it kind of rubs through but with sport climbing it's fantastic like i feel like especially like lowering my hands for jugs and stuff uh keeps my hands really just good and dry and tacky for uh you know at least for the first three four pitches of the day Hmm. cool yeah i've never used that stuff um also sunscreen i mean if you're if you're in a place where you're going to be baked and you're one of those people who doesn't boulder in the shade which i don't know why you'd be one of those people boulder in the shade but uh sunscreen and Let's think about spray sunscreens instead of slathering it on with your hands and then jumping onto a boulder. Yeah. Not a good idea. 
Um, spray sunscreens are definitely the way to go if you're going to be carrying sunscreen and to the crag or yeah. bug spray for that matter. Yeah. And you if know. you're hell bent on using uh, like a lotion, use something like I saw someone they were using, I don't know, it was like a paper towels or like a plastic bag or something to apply mm. it on. It seemed like a big mess. But hey, if that's your thing, like go that way. But basically what we're trying to say is don't let lotion touch your hands. Yeah. Because um, then that's going to get on the rock and that's... While you're climbing. While you're climbing. Yeah. 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 If you're like <laughs> at home and you're about to go out, sure, lather up, wash your hands and then go. But... Yeah. And use it in the evenings, you know, some sort of a skin moisturizing, repairing thing. I think yeah. it can be super helpful. Yeah. I like using something before I go to bed to kind of help my skin heal a little bit faster. No longer on suntan lotions, but just general right. lotion. Like anytime I hop out of the shower, I put something on my skin. Yep. Totally. Um, sort of a subcategory of skin tools is tape. Oh yeah. You know, it's not all tapes are created equal. Definitely not. Um, we sell a tape called circuit tape. That's also in the crag kits and it's a cohesive tape. Whereas a lot of tapes are adhesive, mm-hmm. um, works differently, works for different things. Uh, I use it a lot when I'm bouldering and at the crag, whether it's to save my skin on a sharp hold when I'm just working out moves. Um, I'm already chalked up and, you know, my hands, I don't want to clean them, apply adhesive tape. And then, you know, I I just want to throw something on to try a move, a a gnarly finger lock or something like that. Yeah. I'll use circuit tape pretty often. So what does cohesive mean? Cohesive just means it sticks to itself instead of to your skin. And the tape that we use was developed... Uh, I believe in World War One. It might have been World War II. Um, I have that info on the site specifically because adhesive tape wasn't sticking in the battlefields. Mm-hmm. Um, so they developed this cohesive tape that sticks to itself uh, and can work over dirty, grimy skin. Yep. Dirt, sweat, all those things. Yeah. So yep. I use it all the time. It doesn't slide when you're sweating like like some adhesive tapes do. Yeah. Um, and I think it has its place, you know, where adhesive tape also has its place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I was skeptical the first time I saw it. I was like, I don't know. But, uh, and especially once I figured out how to apply it well. Yeah, I think that's the important part. Yeah. I became a big fan. Um, and it's really big if you ever get uh, flappers or if you ever get like hot spots on your toes or something. The nice thing is because it sticks to itself and it doesn't stick to your skin when you go to pull it off, you're not pulling away right. that extra skin. Right. Like you're not tearing at that open cut. Um, so I'm a huge fan for that. Yeah. And that's in, like I said, that's in our crag kits as well as the tension adhesive tape, the thin cut yeah. adhesive tape. And I know from talking to Will that they've spent a lot of time finding the right adhesive for this tape. And and I was skeptical of it, like I am of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, sounds like in this episode, I'm only skeptical of tension since it was their <laughs> shoe spray last. But, but I've used their thin tape a number of times, and and it's the stickiest tape I've ever used. You mm-hmm. know, I don't, I've never used Luco tape, so I can't speak to that. Um, but I've heard enough stories of people pulling skin off with Luco tape that I'm that I'm a little wary of it. And, mm. and I've used the tension thin adhesive tape to great effect. So, yeah. And for anyone who, so you said not all tape is made equally. 
I will go a step further and say not all tape is applied equally. Totally. Um, there are people who try and climb with tape and they're like, yeah, I don't know how anyone does it. But then you see someone like Alex Magos climbing V15 with... I think he just tapes because that's part of his image now. Uh, yeah. It's like he doesn't even <laughs> like carrots either. That's what I'm pretty sure. It's just like, God, I got to keep taping and eating carrots. Um, I don't even like yellow. And wearing yellow. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Alex Magos, he put out a second like Instagram live, but it's now on YouTube, but it's a taping tutorial. Yeah. He was like, here's how I tape. And I can tell you right now, it is not... Like I had never seen this method before. Mm -hmm. It's pretty unique, but I mean, the dude climbs a lot with taped fingers and it's a, if you want to know how to tape, that's a really good way to, like, that's a good place to look. Yeah, absolutely is. And, you know, experiment with different ways that work for you and yeah. different widths of tape work for different yep. size fingers and for different applications. You know, if I'm going to. If I'm going to go crack climbing, I'm not going to use quarter inch wide tape to make tape gloves out of, you know, I'm going to, totally. I'm going to carry full width athletic tape for yep. that. Um, so having several different widths can be super helpful. Yeah. And if you're not a, if you're not a regular crack climber, you're still going to encounter boulders that have a hand jam and, you know, why not tape the back of your hand up just for that hand jam? Yeah. Like knowing how I have, I figured out a method I forget where I learned it, maybe Steph Davis's website, but how to use just two pieces of tape um, to tape for hand jams. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I use it for sport climbing. I use it for bouldering. It's quick. It's easy. Um, and that's, that makes a pretty huge difference. Yep. And a lot of people go as far as using super glue under their tape. Yep. Um, I have in the past and... And I can understand why you would. Some people use brush super glue on top of their tape to kind of reinforce those ridges so they don't roll up. Mm -hmm. um, so there's all sorts of ways to that you can experiment with and figure out what works for you. Yeah. Uh, any other skin tools you can think of? I think uh, we've covered all that I have here. Yeah, I can't think of any offhand. Um, don't climb like an asshole. That's a good skin tool. Yeah. Uh, Save some skin. Actually, yeah, that's a really good one. Don't don't climb until you bleed. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, and that sounds silly. There are situations where you do, you know. You can if you're just working something. Like the difference in healing time between, wow, my thin is skin is really thin, one more go and I'm going to bleed, and, oh, wow, I'm bleeding. I mean, that's like an extra week and a half sometimes yeah. to heal that same exact thing that's one go different. So tape it up. Tape before you bleed. Tape before you bleed. Like, and that sounds... If you can. Yeah, that sounds obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. So if you realize, hey, like, this is just me working out this climb. I'm not going to send it, but it's tearing my skin up. Pre-tape. It might make it harder to work out, but you're going to be able to learn the moves. And when you come back knowing what you're doing, your skin's not going to be all fucked up. Yep, for sure. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, don't... Uh, don't waste skin when you don't need to. And feel out holds, like we talked about stacking pads. Yeah. If there are sharp holds, especially ones you jump to, mm -hmm. go feel them out, find. And then find another boulder. Find the other boulder. <laughs> Sometimes there are going to be spots where, like all the time, I'll grab holds where I'm like, oh, this part's a little worse, but it's not as sharp. Mm -hmm. Like if it's a big ledge where I'm like, oh, if I jump here, I'll stick it, but it's going to like cut open my middle pads. I may jump just right where it's a little slopier but I'm not going to cut my skin. Right. So finding those things are important. Yep. Totally. 
let's move on to snacks. Yes. Eat them. Eat them. Have them. Yep. Gummy bears. Not gummy bears. Twin not snakes. those damn twin snakes. Gummy oh, bears. Um, snacks pre, during, and post. Yeah. You know how Give do you all. how do you work these things? Uh, for me, pre is typically I'll eat a meal. You know, thirty minutes to an hour before I go climbing, if I can. Um, that's my preference. And then during, uh, carbs. Like if it's a re- even a gym session, if I'm just going in for like a two hour gym session halfway through i eat a banana mm-hmm. that's right around 30 grams of carbs and i don't know anything about nutrition but i read that on instagram once that was a good amount <laughs> um you know and i like it so yeah. yeah i like bananas i like apples i generally tend towards snacks that are sugary mm-hmm. during the day and you know try to space those out um i talked i think i talked about this in the other episode i've been a big fan of frozen pizza with a yeah. ton of vegetables on it just keeps me excited to eat throughout the day and they're in they're in great little small pieces already so mm-hmm. i can eat a piece of pizza put it away you know yeah yeah that's one thing that i realized early on like when i started doing the triple crown competitions in the south like i used to never bring food with me to go climbing and especially not in the gym um but i would go to the triple crowns and i'd be like okay i really want to stack my odds i'm going to bring you know, bring water, make sure I'll bring, I'll probably bring like some, a protein drink so I can sip on that. And then I'm going to have just a bunch of snacks that I can eat through the day. And man, eight hours into this comp and I'm still performing well. Yep. And it took me a long time to be like, oh, that's right. Like, what if I just ate like that all the time, you know, made sure that my body was never tanking and hitting empty during climbing or training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like nuts as well. Nuts are something that I I never bring, but I'm always glad when Annalisa does. Yeah. I love snacking on nuts throughout the day. I'll add here as well, if you've got snacks that are greasy, oily, just, you know, try to be careful not to grab a handful of greasy peanuts or whatever Mm -hmm. and then throw them in your mouth and jump right on the boulder. Yeah. Make sure you're cleaning your hands off if you're eating greasy things before you go climbing again yeah i know people who bring bottles of spray alcohol just for after they eat so that their hands get clean for sure think about these things people yeah so eat food i mean that's i think for a lot of people that's the biggest win is just just eat yeah like and i'll add hydration in there too yeah plenty of water yeah i love gnarly hydrate because it makes me want to go drink my water it's so delicious yeah yeah so think about those things uh what about warm-up tools oh so many what do you what do you bring most of the time when you're bouldering uh either a flashboard or a tension block something from tension yeah doesn't matter what it, it might maybe just a campus rung i don't know i'll swing it around <laughs> i'm not skeptical of these either yeah um i like the i used to always use the flashboard i sometimes just use the block too um something i can use to warm up my fingers uh i like those a lot for a long time i was just reminded of this I used to always have a big gallon jug with a, like a solid screw top on it. And I would do the equivalent of I pretty much do like sandbag exercises, like mm-hmm. chops and stuff to get my core warm. Yeah. Uh, especially when it, you know, be bouldering when it's in the thirties, I would do that. And so it'd be a part of my warm up. And it's just kind of fun and goofing around. But uh, yeah, things like that. Anything that kind of help keep you warm. Uh, I'm not against bands. Like some people, yeah. if, if they want them, like uh, I'll do that for like for my hips sometimes. Yep. 
if I want a little extra warm up, like I find, and we were talking about this, um, some climbing is just really leg intensive. Totally. And if you want to do some extra leg warm ups, like yep. that's great. Like I'll get out on my pad and do like, you know, hip ridges, stuff like that, like all different things, but it's good to get, you know, get your body really well warm. Yeah. I bring, I bring a pretty heavy duty band when I'm, when I know I'm going to be projecting something that is leg intensive and I'll mm-hmm. get my hamstrings, my heel hooks sort of warmed up quite yeah. a bit with a heavy duty band. Um, and if you, you know, if you feel better about how you climb, if you're using just normal physio bands to warm your shoulders up or whatever, by all means, yeah. go for it. Yeah. I don't, you know, and especially like for some people that might just be good for, you can do some lightweight, like face pulls, rows. If that just like gets those patterns, like moving, gets you feeling good. Like if you had to drive two and a half hours to get to the crag and you're stiff, shoot. If, if it makes you feel better and you're not wasting time, do it. Yep. I'll also say, and I think we mentioned this in our tactics episode, part one, that, you know, the end of your boulder, the beginning of your boulder can also be a great warm up tool. Yeah. If you don't have perfect warm ups around, you know, and even if you do, I like to warm up on parts of my project. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep those in mind that those do exist. And if you have a spray wall at home and the boulders are close to you, if you have anything at home, use those as a warm up tool. I love to go get my fingers warm by hanging or get my heels warm by get my hamstrings warm by doing heel hook boulders on my spray wall before I head out to the boulders. Yeah. Um, that's such a more effective session for me than going out and trying to warm up on V3 to jump on my V10 project. Yeah. You know, and I like, I'll even, uh, I'm a fan of, I'll do like Turkish get-ups and stuff mm-hmm. as part of my warm up. If I'm at home, I have access to that. Like, just do a little bit to get my shoulders, everything nice. You don't carry and going. a full set of kettlebells out to the boulders with you? Well, I when I had the van, I did. <laughs> and rifle, I had a full set of kettlebells and everything. So, um, but yeah, you you know there are a lot of different tools. You don't have to rely only on climbing to warm up. You know, yep. if you want to do cartwheels, do cartwheels. That's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah, do some tumbling. I'm gonna do some cartwheels in the boulders. Perfect. All right, uh, last but not least, this is in no real specific order here, but um, clothing layers. Yes. You know, especially if you're if you're taking a climbing trip to the West and you've not climbed in the West a lot, you know, it can be pretty drastically different between sun and shade and if the wind kicks up. And, and also, once you're warmed up, you might want different layers. You mm-hmm. know, if you're sitting and resting and cooling down, you might want different layers. Bring all the things, long sleeves, hats, zip-ups, you know, pants even. If you're if it's a shorts day, bring pants. If you think it's a pants day, still bring a pair of shorts. I always keep a pair of shorts in my bag. Like, it doesn't matter how cold it is because sometimes you'll get into a little corridor of boulders where it's really sunny, no wind, and you may have been shivering outside of that. And you go in, you're like, oh, like, man, I'm just like dumping sweat right now. Yep. So, yeah, all different layers. Um, I know this is mostly about bouldering, but uh, I've met people who have down pants. Oh, that, I love the belay pants. Man. Yeah, for belaying, because that's huge. When you're belaying, or if you're just taking a long rest between boulders, stay almost overly warm. Um, you will not regret it. Yeah, one of the key things for me, bouldering in the south in the winter, um, southeast, because it's so humid and the cold is kind of biting mm-hmm. there, one of the key things for me is to have 
hand warmers or toe warmers inside my socks or on mm. the outside of my socks. Okay. And in between attempts, I would put my socks and shoes back on um, or big down booties if I brought those mm-hmm. on over my socks with a hand warmer or toe warmer in there to keep my toes really warm. Yeah. So that when I step onto the boulder, I still have full dexterity in my toes. Yeah. That, and that's a big one. People don't realize how much their toes freeze out when they're climbing. Yeah. And suddenly they, they're like, oh, these feet feel really bad. And it's like, well, you just don't feel them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're all guilty of it. Yeah, but, totally. Yeah. Always keep a spare hat of some kind, especially if you're a shaved head person I like me. I was going to say. I, my head can start getting cold on the warmest of days if it's windy. So I mm-hmm. always keep a hat in my bouldering bag. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, layers... <clears throat> I'm trying to think if there's anything else on that. Um, I almost always have a thin down zip up. Yeah. You know, just in case it gets super windy, temperatures Mm -hmm. drop, whatever. I'm done climbing and I just want to spot and hang out. I've got this easy to on and off layer that I can pull out. Yeah. Yeah. It like it sucks going out and not being well prepared and then like kind of freezing between boulders and just being uncomfortable. Like that's the last Mm -hmm. You want to be worried about your climbing, not about, you know, staying warm enough or even staying cool enough. Yep. All right. Any other tactical tools you got? Uh, oof, let me look over. I think that's about it. That's all I've got on my list right now. Yeah, I feel like we uh, covered a lot on that. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, I think ideally this is you're hearing this and we have our crag kits out and ready we also have a bouldering bag that we've been working on that Mm -hmm. fits nicely in your crash pad oh can fit all of these things what were you gonna say i'm gonna say one other thing about crash pads um if you want to make your crash pads last longer be careful about how you stuff things into them if you have a big bulbous bag and you stuff it in it's going to deform the foam yep so you either want things to lay very flat spots in it yeah um, you either want things to lay very flat and open or you want it strapped to the outside. Yep. And so this is, that was kind of the impetus for designing the bouldering bag how it is. Yep. I like to have things in my pad. So we created a, a bouldering bag that opens up like a saddle bag, lays flat, has lots of pockets, some reinforced and stiffer than others for things like phones or battery chargers, things like that. And, you know, ideally that's out right now as well. And we've got a list on the website, which is linked right there in your show notes in your pocket supercomputer to a lot of our favorite things here, LED lights, fans, things like that. Um, So check out that list, get it for your favorite boulder, which is probably you for Christmas. Um, And, you know, share it on the social medias. At the Facebook, you can tag us in it at Power Company Climbing. Same on the Instagram, tag us there. Definitely tweet. What's it called when you send a lot of tweets? Is there a word for that? Do I was the, hoping you had a dad joke for this. Do the tweeters have a word for that? Um, I don't know if they do. And the reason I don't know is because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, this time, this time, this time. This time, 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 this